Welcome to Leadership Matters with Dr. Cheryl White and Dr. Andre Howard. This is your forum for exploring and discussing challenges that are faced by public and nonprofit leaders. And now, Leadership Matters. Good afternoon, and thank you for tuning in to Leadership Matters, informing leaders, inspiring solutions. I'm Cheryl White, and I bring you greetings from the Neighborhood House Association in San Diego, California, and I'm delighted to have three dynamic leaders who are Black women who serve on the executive leadership team at the Neighborhood House Association. With us today, I am delighted to have Dr. Deidre Jones, who is the Deputy General Manager of Education, Instruction, and Operations, and Vice President of Early Childhood Development. Dr. Jones, welcome. Thank you for having me. Yes, it's my honor to have you join us. And we also have Delanda Hill Peppers, Vice President of Human Resources. Welcome, Delanda. Thank you for having me, Dr. White. Yeah, thank you too for joining us. Ernesta Johnson, our Senior Director of Development and Community Affairs. Great to have you here. Thank you, glad to be here. Mm-hmm. And Andrea Dixon, our fabulous Executive Office Manager, Andrea, thanks for joining us. Thank you for the invite. Glad to be here, Dr. White. Yeah, awesome. Well, I'm going to just start by um, asking you, and then Dr. Jones will start with you on this question. When you think of race and or ethnicity with regards to your own race or, or ethnicity, how do you self-identify and why? I identify as a Black woman. I'm okay with um the term black or African-American being used. Um, And because that's just kind of what I've always known and grown up as. Um, I don't like to be classified as a woman of color because I feel that buries who I am because now the term of color encompasses a lot of races. And I feel that sometimes um, African-Americans or blacks get lost (laughs) in all of that. Okay, great. Thanks so much, Dr. Jones. And how about yourself, Delanda? I guess I definitely agree with uh, Dr. Jones. I actually identify myself as a Black uh, woman. Um, i interchangeable with African-American as well. I took several African-American studies courses uh, in college. So I know both terms definitely identify with both. Uh, growing up in a Black family, a strong Black uh, mother, um, I have identified as a Black woman all my life. <laughs> uh, and so um, that is what I reference myself um, in any conversation that has to do with race and my identity. Okay, great. Thank you, Delanda. How about Ernesta? Uh, I agree with both Delanda and Dr. Jones. Uh, I actually can kind of remember back uh, in high school when African-American became the term that we kind of gravitated more towards and and lots of people wanted to use that term as opposed to being called black. Um, I am comfortable with either term. Uh, I I remember having, you know, listening to the song, you know, I'm black and I'm proud. So I definitely uh, (laughs) still identify as a a black as opposed to African-American woman as well. Mm -hmm. Ernesto, that song takes me back to, I remember being (laughs) at my uh, grandmother's house, jumping from um, little stone to stone, say it loud. <laughs> I'm like, I'm <laughs> I do remember that song. And Andrea, yeah. yourself. Well, it actually depends on what setting I'm in, um, if that makes any sense. Mm-hmm. Um, I refer to myself as African-American. Um, and I say that because I'm, I'm from Africa descent, mm-hmm. born in America is my default definition of it and then depends on what kind of strong setting i'm in like i'm a black strong woman Um, (laughs) so um and when i put on that mother hat and that you know um sometimes in different professional settings and so forth i just consider myself to be a woman of strength black Mm -hmm. woman Mm -hmm. of strength so Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Wonderful. And I and I ask that question because I know that people struggle sometimes with which term to use. Mm-hmm. And so I think it's nice to just kind of um, have people understand from Black women, African-American women, um, how that term is used within our own community. In the 80s, I referred to myself as a Black woman of African descent. <laughs> so I, too, will um, kind of use the terms interchangeably. 
So how else might you identify? I know that we have various aspects of our identity. Mm-hmm. So I'll ask you just to think about, you know, for yourself, mm-hmm. how else do you self-identify, Delanda? Um, self-identify um, as a wife, as a mother, um, as a sister, um, more so a Black mother, a Black wife, a Black sister. Reason being is growing up, that identity um, transcends from, you know, the experiences that I have as a woman and the fact that as, let's say, as a Black mother, um, instilling in my daughter the, the same values and same cultural um, experiences that I have, making her aware of that as a as a wife of a Black uh, male, <laughs> um, understanding, you know, the social dynamics that he entails when he goes out into the workforce or wherever it, area that he might have to go to. So those are the, the, the different identities that I identify myself. So. Thank you, Delanda. And Ernesta, can we throw it to you to ask you the same mm-hmm. question? How yes. else do you identify? Yes, yes. Um, so yes, as a as a Black woman in America, there are several occasions that I will encounter that um, you, you, you kind of have to pick and choose, like Andrea was mentioning earlier. Um, some settings, and, and, and it's sad that we have to do that or feel that we have to do that um, at, in a, at times, um, but because of the environment that we live in, um, just making wise choices that might affect my children later on, um, uh, just knowing that there may be some backlash if, if there's something that I'm doing that's differently. You know, sometimes we get categorized as being the, you know, that black woman. And um, although I embrace it and am proud of it, we also know that there can be um, things that are are tied to that that aren't always positive for our um my, my children. So it's, it's definitely, those are who I keep in mind when I am self-identifying. Wonderful. Uh, thank you, Ernesta. Dr. Jones, how about yourself? How do you self-identify? I identify, I'm a daughter, a sister, an aunt, a friend. According to my mother, I'm a rebel. <laughs> uh, she says I'm I'm her rebellious child, and not because I I go against the, the grain or anything, but I'm I'm well rounded and I'm tenacious, and I I can't I fit in lots of different pockets. Like there's not one box that you can put me in. Uh-huh. Um, and so and and I'm outgoing and free-spirited. So I do a lot of things uh, that I know sometimes my parents just sit and shake their head, but they say, that's my child. (laughs) Um, You know, and that's those who have not really gotten to know me, they may be a little taken aback or kind of cautious about it, trying to figure out, okay, well, where is this coming from? I haven't seen this side. Um, As I, as some of my closest friends will say, you know, I have 50 million personalities, but they are all me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Dr. Jones. And Andre, how about yourself? How else might you self-identify? Um, probably the first thing I will say, I'm the baby of eight. <laughs> but I am probably the most, I'm the oldest of eight mm-hmm. because I'm I'm the glue. Mm-hmm. Um I, I recently came back from Texas and um my older brother said, I'm so glad you're back. Oh, I'm so <laughs> glad you're back because they were driving me crazy. We just needed you just just here just to keep a balance, you know, with, <laughs> with your older siblings. I said, but I'm the youngest. Why am I? I would self-identify myself as a nurturer, as a caregiver, mm-hmm. as a community um, I don't want to say activist. I don't like that word. As a community um, link, I I feel very strong about my community. Um, and as a just a a fixer, mm-hmm. like um, Olivia Pope, you know, <laughs> just always looked to to fix something and mm-hmm. make it better. So okay. Awesome. I, I love these um, ways in which we see ourselves and understand ourselves 
beyond our uh, race, our gender. And I think that there's so many ways in which we connect with humans, um, you know, in our roles as parents and siblings and nurturers. And Andrea, I have to double click on the why you don't want to be seen as a activist. I love the word activist. I think that activates, it creates catalysts for change. Mm-hmm. I've got to just double click and ask you, what goes through your mind that says, eh, I don't know that I want to say community activist? <laughs> um, Probably because I recently, because people have like abused that, mm-hmm. that word. Okay in my experiences. So um, there's there's a def- defined line, mm-hmm. um, if you will, and I'm probably leaning more towards mm-hmm. the bad experience, if you will. Mm-hmm. So, okay. so I guess that's why. Um, okay. I'm more of a community leader mm-hmm. as opposed mm-hmm. to, to an activist. Okay. Those kind of people you can always see in a combative or oh, a lot okay. of okay, so not being viewed as combat. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, but a rebellious person like Dr. Jones, nonetheless. No, I'm totally kidding. <laughs> great. So, and then Dr. Jones, I think as I uh, look at you and you said sister, I also see you as a soror. Yes. As a member of Delta Sigma Theta Sorority Incorporated. Yes. Yeah. Um, you know, there's, public there's Public servant, yes. Right, and, and there's, I mean, there's so many things that I can self-identify as, and, mm-hmm. you know, I didn't want to take all the time to <laughs> label it, label it, but mm-hmm. yes, you know, and then there are other organizations that I'm a part of, both mm-hmm. for social as well as within my career, professional, so. Yeah. Is that, you know, I'm all over the place. <laughs> yeah, no, that that's great. I just think there's so many different ways in which we see and. In, in, identify and make connections to other humans and me being a member of Delta Sigma Theta Sorority Incorporated <laughs> as well. That's just an identity that, you know, that kind of um, floated to the top of my mind. Yeah. So, um, but that creates connections, you know, so it does. It does. Black women, we connect with so many and it may be through our professional affiliations, our social groups, our family roles and uh, so on, so forth. Love to ask you with regards to how has being an African-American woman or a Black woman impacted your life and leadership journey? Anesha, we'll start with you. Okay, great. Um, you know, having grown up in a predominantly white environment, um, it's definitely been an impact. In, in a lot of ways, I didn't even realize it until I got older. Um, just seeing how I moved on a daily basis or just what was coming natural was really just trying trying to fit in some kind of way, not being able to be myself in my own skin. Um, I would go back to Michigan on uh, Christmas and, and summers and those breaks. And so when I'd, I'd come home to my family and, you know, here, you know, why are you, why, why do you sound like that? Like who, who, what was going on with you? So there was kind of a double-edged sword. So I really, until I got older, um, was, I I feel like a little confused actually, Uh, especially um, not having a lot of black history that was taught in in school. So as I got older and learned more lessons and um, started feeling comfortable with me being me and knowing that how I what I am is okay. There's no definition to being a black woman. Um, we come in all kinds of shapes, colors, shapes, sizes, all of that. Um, but I really um, am grateful to the strong black women in my family that I was able to look up to and know that who I am and how I am is okay. Okay. Thank you, Ernesta. And I'm going to double click on the, um, why do you sound like that? (laughs) (laughs) Right. Uh, It was just all the time. Just, I mean, it just, you know, I, my accent, I guess, you know, it's, it's an accent, a California accent that's different Mm -hmm. than something that you'd hear on a daily basis in Detroit. Mm -hmm. So um, uh, having to defend that, Mm-hmm. Or, you know, as a young girl, just breaking down and crying. Oh. 
Mm-hmm. Um, you know, as as I got older, I was I was able to to understand that there. Num- well, actually, I will say that there's a gift in giving your child um, proper English, and mm-hmm. I'm I'm grateful for that. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, at the same time, at at times growing up, it was it was difficult to uh, encounter. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because the dialect can be uh, very different from region to region, and um, and I know that I heard it and my grandchildren heard it. And we would, as you, we would go back to Louisiana. That's where we would go <laughs> for summer breaks. And they'd say, why y'all sound so white? <laughs> so the bad, the bad that we would hear is, why y'all talk white? And, and we came to um, appreciate and understand as we get older that, yeah, the region matters and what you hear in your household matters. And I think that has been a, a challenge in our um, community for so many people who grow up in environments where maybe they're not speaking standard English, that they're not even aware that they're not speaking standard English. And it doesn't mean that they're smarter, that they're not as smart. It has nothing to do with intelligence. It's just, what do you hear growing up? And the language that you hear growing up and the dialect and how we put our verbs and subjects and um, nouns together is very often a reflection of how we've grown up versus a level of intelligence. So there's a whole lot that we can unpack just in looking at language uh, related to its use and uh, some of the joys and challenges uh, that we experience in this journey. Andrea, how about for yourself? Um, How has being a Black woman or African-American woman impacted your life and leadership journey? In a very positive way. Say <laughs> um, more. <laughs> yeah, in a very positive way. And it's going back to the first question of just simply being proud to be a Black woman. Mm-hmm. Um, and I always try to keep myself, never forget that. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I was a member of an organization a couple of years ago uh, during the whole um George Floyd uh, situation. And um, I was the only African-American amongst a group of women of about a hundred and some odd. I'll, let me rephrase that. No, I was not the only African-American. I was the only African-American on the board of directors. Mm-hmm. Um, and during that whole um, unfortunate time period with George Floyd, I began to feel the, felt like the elephant in the room, if mm-hmm. that makes any sense. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if, if you guys experienced um, people saying how uh, others, other people color, or not color, I don't know, how do I want to phrase that, um, from Caucasian. Okay, they begin to wonder, you know, you really didn't know who you were sitting next to. Mm-hmm. If they were, how they, what side of the fence they were actually. So I begin to feel uncomfortable mm-hmm. in the room. Mm-hmm. If that makes any sense, I begin to yeah. feel yeah. like a, um, mm-hmm. a token. Mm-hmm. Um, and, but then also like, they were walking on eggshells and you really didn't know where, where they stood. Mm-hmm. So I began to feel very strong in who mm-hmm. I was mm-hmm. in being a black woman. And um, that's probably when I really, really, really became happy with who I was mm-hmm. and, and, and my, my culture and my background and, Mm-hmm. And just by being a black woman during that period, mm-hmm. if that makes if that makes any sense, it all makes a lot of sense. And I know it, it we have out. to, mm-hmm. yeah, we have to go to break. But when we come back, I want to ask you a few follow up questions. Kind of starting with because um, interesting to hear you say that in that time, mm-hmm. um, you began to feel um, like a token, and I'm mm-hmm. wondering what happened that led you to feel that way? 
So okay. stay with us. And we're going to come back to Andrea and ask you to talk a little bit more, share a little bit more. But we'll okay. be right back uh, with Leadership Matters, Informing Leaders, Inspiring Solutions. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Leadership Matters is brought to you by Innovisions. Need to improve leadership, staff, or organization performance? Contact Innovisions today for quality, effective, and affordable leadership, staff, and organization development training, coaching, and consulting services. Call 619-453-8093. That's 619-453-8093. Or send an email to Dr. White. Her email address is swite at neighborhoodhouse.org. Innovisions is a social enterprise of the Neighborhood House Association of San Diego, California. Funds raised go to support the Neighborhood House Association's mission to enrich lives through a continuum of education and wellness service. Find out what's happening on the Voice America Talk Radio Network by keeping up with us on Twitter. You can find us at Voice America TRN. You are listening to Leadership Matters with Dr. Cheryl White and Dr. Andre Howard. If you have a question or comment about today's program, please call 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. Or send an email to Dr. Cheryl White at swite at neighborhoodhouse.org. Now, back to Leadership Matters. And we are back with more on Leadership Matters. For those that are just joining us, I'm Cheryl White, uh, your host for the day. And with us, we have four dynamic women. I think I might have said three earlier. We have four dynamic women who serve on the executive leadership team with the Neighborhood House Association. We have Dr. Deirdre Jones, General uh, Deputy General Manager in Education, uh, Instruction, and Operations, and Vice President of Early Childhood Department Dr. Jones, again, thanks so much for being with us. We have Delanda Hill, Peppers, Vice President of Human Resources, and Ernesta Johnson, Senior Director of Development and Community Affairs, and Andrea Dixon, Executive Office Manager. So again, thank you so much for being with us. And Andrea, I'm going to toss it back over to you and just kind of ask you to share a little bit more about what you meant before we went to break about um, yeah, what happened in this moment when um, you're serving on this board and the George Floyd um, tragedy occurred and you found yourself um, the only African-American woman, the only black woman on this board that was predominantly white. Um, what happened that, that made you feel like a token? Um. Probably just a conversation and um, with my fellow members asking me how I felt about, you know, the George Floyd scenario, if, 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 if it's impacted my family, you know, or my friends or my community, um, just the questions that were being asked. Um, it was like they they really didn't know what to say mm-hmm. or or how to say, you know, mm-hmm. um, but they were intrigued. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, so just I, it was just kind of like an uneasy feeling, like mm-hmm. you really didn't know mm-hmm. who the devil in disguise was. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay. And when you say token, like what kind, what comes to mind for you? Um, like I, I, I have like this negative connotation of feeling like a token. Right. Um, for yourself, what did that feel like? And I don't know if you're using token in the same way my brain goes to the word token. As um, being approached to be a board member mm-hmm. um, and considered mm-hmm. to um move to the next level on the board. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's, mm-hmm. it's been a while since we've had 
you know, any African-American. I just think this is great that you're here. That is if the greatest um, strength that you brought to being on the board was your identity as an African-American yeah. woman versus yeah. other aspects of who you are. Yes. Okay. I, I, I've, I've, I understand that um, uh, better now. So thank you so much for, um, for sharing. Mm -hmm. You're going to say something else? More or less to show that, you know, there is some diversity mm -hmm. um, amongst their, the group. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. it was just, mm -hmm. you know, I just began to really just wonder. Wonder. Is it all about me being African-American woman or is it also about other aspects, aspects. of who I am that I can bring to the board or is that all they see? Right, right. Yeah. And I think also it was because of the time period we were in. Yes. And and, and it was in the middle of a um of a presidency that was you know, wasn't favorable to mm -hmm. to our culture. So mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. there was just a lot of things going on during that period um, mm -hmm. that made me feel uncomfortable but also stronger in who mm -hmm. I as, mm -hmm. a, as a black woman. Yeah. I, I love the fact that in your sharing that, that even though you were feeling somewhat um, taken back and kind of questioning, like, okay, the only value I have is it like my race and, and, um, and gender. Um, but even in the midst of that, um, you embraced um, being able to embrace who you were um, to yes. share and see that as a moment in which you can take pride and, and share from that aspect of your identity. So Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Yes. Thank you so much, Andrea. Dr. Jones, how about for yourself? How has being a Black woman, an African-American woman, impacted your life and leadership journey? So as far as my life, um, there's been an impact that I've seen just as I move through different regions. And mm -hmm. I say that because I, I was born and raised South Central L.A., but I went to college mm -hmm. at an HBCU in Memphis, Tennessee. Shout out to Lamont on College. Shout out to HBCU. Historically black college. I got to pause and say, Grandma said university. And so it was a culture shock for me um, being there, but it was a positive mm -hmm. culture shock. Mm hmm. You know, growing up in L.A., you know, I grew up in L.A. in the 90s. I'm an 80s baby, 90s kid, was in elementary school when, you know, during, um, when Rodney King was beat and the video was released. And so um, it, it was very different. And going to an HBCU, being in a city that was predominantly black, mm -hmm. is, it was just like nothing I had ever experienced. You know, mm -hmm. I'm saying growing up in LA, I wasn't used to being around a lot of blacks. Mm -hmm. And so here coming to a school, to a city, it was just like, wow. Mm -hmm. um, also, I noticed I, I had grown up always being very self-conscious about my weight. Mm -hmm. um, but then in the South, you know, <laughs> <laughs> they like you a little bit. You were just healthy. <laughs> and um, so I, I began to have like more confidence. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, just not understanding guys talking to me. And I'm like, you you talking to me? <laughs> uh, you know, growing up in high school, my peers used to tease me. You know, they would say um, I had a ghetto booty. Mm -hmm. um, you know, mm -hmm. I, I do have Southern roots. Let me put mm -hmm. that in there. My mm -hmm. mother is from Memphis. <laughs> mm -hmm. So I have Southern roots. Um, and so in my teenage years, you know, towards the end of high school, you know, I'm starting to fill out and everything. Some of that, those Southern roots were starting to kick in. And mm -hmm. you know, that's what some of my peers would call me. But then going to the South, you know, as guys are, are speaking to me, I'm like, oh, this, this is a good thing. <laughs> like you all expect this <laughs> out here. <laughs> so that that was the experience that I had. Now, um, leadership wise, that is where I experienced the most challenges 
being a black woman and being a young black woman as I stepped into leadership. I got my doctorate degree before I was 30 years old. Mm-hmm. And shortly Congratulations. After, thank you. <laughs> and shortly after I got my doctorate degree, I moved into a leadership position. And unfortunately, those challenges started or were started by other Black women. Mm -hmm. Um, I was working at uh, a preschool program in an affluent Black neighborhood in Los Angeles. I think I was probably the first staff member they had um, that had a doctorate degree. So when I was asked, how did I want to be addressed? I said, Dr. Jones, you know, and I'm fresh getting my doctor degree. So I'm eager to and excited to use it. Mm-hmm. And I said, I wanted to be addressed as Dr. Jones. And immediately I received backlash mm-hmm. from a couple of parents. <clears throat> and their comments were, you know, where everybody else is teacher first name. The last director was teacher first name. And my response was, well, I'm not a teacher and the last director didn't have a doctor degree. Like I mm-hmm. want to be addressed mm-hmm. as Dr. Jones. Mm-hmm. And that caused tension. Mm-hmm. So much so that I then became hesitant using my title. Mm-hmm. When I went on to another place of employment, I didn't push it as much because mm-hmm. you know now I've got this PTSD, I guess you can say. Mm-hmm. And, um, my supervisor, one of my supervisors, she noticed whenever I wrote my name, I did not use my title. Mm-hmm. Now she herself had a doctor degree and she was another black woman. Mm-hmm. And she called me out on it. And she mm-hmm. said, why aren't you using your title? Mm-hmm. And my only response was, man, if you know what I've been through, she was like, I don't care. You need to use your title. Mm-hmm. So I, I then started, you know, trying to use it more, left there, went to another agency where I was the only black woman in the office and again, began to receive backlash or pushback, I should say, there in mm-hmm. wanting to use my title. Again, people ask me, oh, how would you like to be addressed? I say, Dr. Jones. And some would come back with, oh, well, can I call you this or can I call you that? And so it's been a challenge for me, even though now I've had my doctorate degree for 11 years. Mm-hmm. There are times where I'm still a little hesitant, especially, you know, living in California. It's a very informal culture here. People mm-hmm. don't use a lot of titles, especially depending on the industry that you're in or the culture of the environment that you're in. Mm-hmm. And there are some people who are, who think that because you use your title, you think you're better than them, mm-hmm. which isn't the case. You know, I worked hard for uh-huh. this. You know, I end up having to wear glasses <laughs> after <laughs> after getting my doctorate degree. Like I went blind for this title. So <laughs> I'm going to use this title. Like I'm yes. proud of it. Yes, it should mm-hmm. be. So, but that that's where I've experienced it as far as uh, challenges. Um, mm-hmm. But I'm reminded at that first setting where I first experienced that backlash, mm-hmm. I had one of my teachers pull me to the side and she told me, she said, you're a triple threat. Mm-hmm. You're young, you're black, and you're educated. Mm-hmm. And that's that stuck with mm-hmm. me. And I, and mm-hmm. I think because... I've excelled at so much at such a young age. Mm -hmm. A lot of people just look at me and see that I'm young Mm -hmm. and don't want to give me the due respect, regardless of the education and experience that I have. Mm -hmm. So those are some of the challenges I've experienced um, Mm -hmm. in leadership as a Black woman. Mm -hmm. Well, thank you. I appreciate your... Um, you're sharing um, all of that. And and I'll say I went through something similar when I got my doctorate. My mentor made it clear to me that your name now does include comma and that um, title behind. Mine is doctorate of psychology. So I PSY period D. And, um, you know, so she actually, you know, pushed me to recognize um, that accomplishment Soon after coming out of that um, 
that battle that we go through call our defense <laughs> for our dissertation, right? Yeah. And so I, um, so my reluctance kind of went away because I was instructed that this is what you do. And I still will, you know, sign my name that way. And then sometimes I, sometimes I don't, but most of the time I do because it was ingrained in me that, that this is now anytime um, you're using your title, your title, yes, you're a Mrs., you're married, but you're a doctorate. And so it's, it's um, Dr. Um, Cheryl White. Um, and so I was, I guess, coached to kind of think that way. And being that I'm a little bit more introverted, I'm probably or I'm oblivious to what people care about or think about it or say about it. So my being oblivious probably helped me just do it. I was instructed to and kind of moved through it. You know, I also connect with um, that journey that you took back to the historically black college. And, you know, obviously I haven't gone to Grambling myself, but my children are fourth generation Gramblingites. Mm. And my, um, you know, before I restructured my family, I was married to someone who had gotten out of the military and they were teaching at Grambling. And my children were going to do a semester at the lab school at Grambling. And um, which is, I think they might have been in fourth grade elementary school. And I'll never forget my calling and talking to them like the first few days that they had gone to school. You know, I'm doing the mama check in. How y'all doing? This is mama, you know. All the students are black and all the teachers are black, you know, you know because they had grown up in Scripps Ranch, which is a predominantly right. you know, white community. And so yeah, it was a very shocking experience, but a positive experience for them to go to this space. And even as an African-American young woman myself going to Grambling, it was like my first time really being in an environment where, where race was not the dominant aspect of the identity. Correct. You know, because I was the same as everybody else. So it's other aspects of your identity can flourish and um, you're not so aware of it when you're when you're part of the dominant culture yeah. and the environment in which you find yourself navigating. it. so there's a, a freeing aspect um, that I think that we have an opportunity to experience at our historically black colleges and universities. So uh, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Hmm. Uh, Delanda. Yeah. Yes. Uh, yeah. Same question. Yeah. Great question too. Uh, growing mm -hmm. up um, as a black uh, woman and identifying as a as a black woman um, has definitely shaped who I am as a person. Um, I grew up in Southeast San Diego here locally. Um, went to um, a, a school that was diverse. I, mm -hmm. I grew up on a block that was diverse. Um, so I had you know white friends, black friends. Um, Delilah, I, I am super 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 sorry. <laughs> I'm gonna I'm I'm gonna ask you to continue what I just noticed. I was so engaged and in the space that I was in with Dr. Jones. The okay. engineers over here thinking like, hello, hello, are we going to go to break. <laughs> <laughs> no worries. I'm just realizing that I blew past the break. So um we're gonna just put a comma there, but I am am definitely I'm wanting to hear, and I'm sure our listening audience would love to hear um uh, just your journey with regards to how being a black woman has impacted your life and um, in leadership experience. So please stay with us and we'll be right back with more on Leadership Matters, informing leaders, inspiring solutions. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit facebook.com forward slash voice America. Leadership Matters is brought to you by Innovisions. Need to improve leadership, staff, or organization performance? Contact Innovisions today for quality, effective, and affordable leadership, staff, and organization development training, coaching, and consulting services. Call 619-453-8093. That's 619-453-8093. Or send an email to Dr. White. Her email address is swite at neighborhoodhouse.org. Innovisions is a social enterprise of the Neighborhood House Association of San Diego, California. Funds raised go to support the Neighborhood House Association's mission to enrich lives through a continuum of education and wellness service. Find out what's happening on the Voice America Talk Radio Network by keeping up with us on Twitter. You can find us at Voice America TRN. You 
you are listening to Leadership Matters with Dr. Cheryl White and Dr. Andre Howard. If you have a question or comment about today's program, please call 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. Or send an email to Dr. Cheryl White at swhite at neighborhoodhouse.org. Now, back to Leadership Matters. And we are back with more on Leadership Matters. Delanda, I'm going to just toss it directly to you to just kind of share about your life and leadership journey as a African-American woman, a black woman uh, in our society. Yes. So like I said, growing up in Southeast San Diego, um, going to a, um, a school in my neighborhood where it was a diverse school, of course, if we had majority of African-American students, but there were white, black, Mexican. So it kind of helped me to kind of see life differently um, growing up that way. Um, having a single black mother um, that did struggle um, economically as well kind of humbled me too as a black woman and actually seeing how she had to many times they say have food stamps or go to areas of um to get aid uh cheese bread and cheese line i remember i remember having those experiences um with my mother um and my family and that i think is kind of ingrained in me of, of knowing that you know there are the struck there is a struggle for our race um, but at the same time overcoming those struggles when i went to college i didn't get a chance to go to hbc you couldn't afford to go didn't get a scholarship but i did want to um, but I went to San Diego State, which predominantly um, white. So it was a very small African-American population there. But I knew I wanted to excel. I wanted something better for myself and for my family. And so um, that was an um, experience that has kind of humbled me. Um, and I still hold on to those values today, um, treating people with respect and dignity, no matter where they are socially, economically. Um, so um, the other thing that and, and leadership is what I've experienced recently um, is that there is a double standard sometimes um, being an African-American woman when leadership, you have to, I, I feel like I have to always kind of um, be mindful of how I speak, you know, not to be too demanding or too overexerting or because it might seem as if I have an attitude or I'm not, you know, bending or I'm um, too strong. So I have to kind of soften myself. Those are the challenges that I experience in leadership um, that I have to always kind of be mindful of. I don't mm-hmm. think that's fair, <laughs> but I just know that as a as a black woman, I have to always be mindful of of um, speaking a certain way, acting a certain way, presenting myself a certain way. Um, um, always, um, you know, it, it, having that in the back of my head, and, and maybe sometimes not being able to say what I really want to say at times when I really want to say it. Because mm-hmm. I know someone might see this as, as me being defensive or mm-hmm. aggressive or um, those terms or those stereotypes that Black women sometimes carry with mm-hmm. them. They might not see me as pitiful as they may see someone who's Caucasian when I just have an opinion about something. So those are the things that I've had to struggle with in leadership and kind of um, balance at mm-hmm. the same time still be in a role where I can definitely um, impact um, individuals as a leader. So it's, it's been a positive as well as challenging experience. Mm-hmm. You um, really describe so well, there's a book called Shifting and it's the double-edged sword being a black America, I would say a black woman uh, in America. And, um, and that shifting mm-hmm. um, is really just kind of uh, recognizing that we have to put that extra energy, that, that we have to if we don't put that extra energy into helping others feel comfortable, uh, you know, it's like, what do you want to deal with? Do you want to deal with the the um, backlash that comes from others' discomfort or the extra energy that we have to put into showing up in a way where we're not misread or um, interpreted in a way that's different than what we're intending? And I'll just say shout out to... Um, Southeast San Diego. I grew up in a neighboring <laughs> community, Emerald Hills. Let's see a Great. Love to hear some final thoughts from each of you. And I'll just start. Um, I'll just keep with you, Delanda. Final thoughts? Um, thank you so much for this opportunity to speak on uh, the podcast with you, Dr. White, and all you brilliant women here that are on the executive leadership team with me at Neighborhood House Association. Um, just my final thoughts are... Um, 
as black women, I just think that we should continue to um, support one another, especially in leadership, you know, support one another, um, um, take time to um, invest in our communities, um, definitely continue to be that support um, for black families and, and things that happen in our communities. Um, and just um, continue to stay, you know, in there in the fight um, as Black Americans. Wonderful. Thanks so much, Delanda. How about yourself, Ernesta? Final thoughts? Thank you, Dr. White. This really has been, it's been, it's been great. It really makes you kind of stop and, and really um, live in the moment and think about some things that that are there and you might put that we might not always um, consider. I know a couple of things that that have been brought to mind. I can remember um, going from graduating high school, going to City College and walking into the cafeteria and seeing more black people than I'd ever seen in San Diego ever before. And for the next week, I was at the in the cafeteria until I remembered you better go to class so that you, you can graduate. Um, and then once again, going to um, to uh, Bayou Classic and being in the middle of Canal Street with a whole <laughs> sea of nothing but black folks. I just thought I had died and went to heaven. But <laughs> what I what I realized was that that um, that there was some there was a comfort that was missing in my life. And I knew instantly that it had to be with my culture, my ethnicity, me being able to be me and be um, be and be okay with that. Mm -hmm. um, so I just, I, I'm grateful for this opportunity to be able to work with such dynamic women on this panel and mm -hmm. um, thankful for you all every, each and every day and whatever I can do to inspire and, and uplift and um, support, I'm here. Thank you. Wonderful. Thank you so much, um, Ernesto. For those who don't know Bayou Classic, that's the Grambling Southern game. <laughs> Thank you. And Andrea, how about yourself? Final thoughts? Well, my final thoughts are, first of all, Dr. White, thank you for looking at me as a leader, um, because mm -hmm. a lot of times I don't consider myself to be, especially amongst the ELT, because I'm not more or less in management, so to speak, where I manage and I lead a group of individuals. So thank you for um, thinking of me in that content. I really do appreciate that. Um, as far as, uh, my, my ending thoughts is to always as a black woman, stand in your truth, stand mm -hmm. in who you are and who we are and how important we are, um, mm -hmm. as a black woman. So mm -hmm. just stand in your truth. And like mm -hmm. Delanda said, support each other, encourage each other, mm -hmm. stroke each other, lift each other up. Mm -hmm. as a woman and as a black woman because we have all so mm -hmm. many other challenges mm -hmm. from the outside that mm -hmm. we just got to make sure we take care of each other from the inside. Wonderful. Love it. And absolutely, you are a full-pledged member of the executive leadership <laughs> team. You are indeed a leader. And just like Thank you're the you. glue in your family, you're very often the glue coming out of that CEO office. So <laughs> we, uh, we appreciate and value you. So thank you for adding your voice. Thank you so much. Yeah. Dr. Jones. Yes. Thank you again, Dr. White, for inviting me. I know I'm the baby of the bunch <laughs> <laughs> and, and the newest team member to NHA, um, although I've been here for a few years now. Um, I want to close off, if it's allowable, um, allowable there was a, a scripture I read that just struck with me mm -hmm. that, that spoke to age. You know, I shared before mm -hmm. about how, you know, I experienced challenges, you know, because of my age and it's first Timothy four twelve. It says you are young, but mm -hmm. don't let anyone treat you as if you are not important. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. that, when I read that, that just struck that's, mm -hmm. that stayed with me. Um, so just want to, you know, Use that to encourage and empower others that are out there that are young and climbing the ranks mm -hmm. that, you know, mm -hmm. even though you may um, get that opposition, mm -hmm. don't let it stop you mm -hmm. from moving mm -hmm. forward. Yeah, well, I appreciate that. That's a, that's a um, wonderful note to end on. And I'll tell you that um, ageism, be it 
be it um, discriminating against people, um, having preconceived notions about someone because of their youth, or on the other end of that continuum, um, looking at and discriminating against someone because they may be older. You know, I think our uh, nation, hopefully we can move beyond um, the ageism too. That's that intersectionality uh, that we run into with regards to our aspects of identity. And I hear it so often in the in the news, be it judgment on uh, those that are younger or passing judgment on, you know, I think we hear a lot of ageism with President Biden and others who are elder serving. If we can contribute those who are young, um, or just say encourage those who are young to continue mm-hmm. to contribute and those who are older to view them as our elders and respect them and walk uh, in this space where we value what they're bringing as well and look beyond other aspects of identity, um, not in looking beyond it with regards to say not acknowledging and seeing it, but I wanna see my uh, fellow board members who may be women of color, not only their identity as black women or whatever they may bring, but I can see your identity and also see other aspects of the beauty, the intelligence, um, the joy, and you know all of the um, talents that someone might bring to a situation. So I have just really enjoyed uh, this conversation with each of you. I'm so um, thrilled to be on the um, executive leadership team at Neighborhood House Uh, with each of you and uh, shout out to our CEO, um, Rudolph Johnson, for being able to handle all these black women on the executive leadership. (laughs) (laughs) We appreciate you, Rudy. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, and it's just been a pleasure and a joy. And to our listening audience, thank you so much for joining us today. We invite you to tune in every Wednesday at uh, 2 p.m. Pacific Standard Time, or just at your convenience to download the uh, broadcast and um, uh, know that we're here. So uh, Leadership Matters, here today, inspiring leaders, and, um, or I should say, uh, informing leaders and inspiring solutions. Thank you. Thank you again for tuning in. Leadership Matters with Dr. Cheryl White and Dr. Andre Howard is broadcast live every Wednesday afternoon at 5 p.m. Eastern Time, 2 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Have a wonderful week and make your leadership matter.